Welcome to the Insurance Revolutionized podcast brought to you by Success Without Sacrifice. I am your host and coach, Cherie Sauer, and here on the podcast, we are on a mission to revolutionize the way women in insurance do business. We will be interviewing women who are changing the face of insurance, as well as giving you tips and inspiration to grow your agency to new heights without sacrificing what is most important to you. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Insurance Revolutionized Podcast. I have Catherine Arnold here with me today, and we've been chatting a little bit behind the scenes. Um, I know Catherine a little bit through Women of Insurance, but Catherine, would you just tell everybody who you are, uh, a little bit about you, and how you got in the insurance industry? Yes, ma'am, absolutely. So, I um, started out as a in the insurance and medical industry. I've been doing that for about 15 years. Um, I got into insurance about a year and two months ago, um, and it's really just kind of come full circle and grown leaps and bounds more than I ever thought it could. Um, I do Medicare and retirements, um, so annuities. Um, I got my start in life insurance and decided that um, life insurance final expense was not where I wanted to be. It was not what I loved doing. So I thought, hey, I worked in revenue cycle management for years and with insurances. Why don't I do Medicare health insurance? And then I got into doing that and figured out that I loved it. I liked writing annuities. So I decided that I would specialize basically in people's retirement. So that's kind of how I got into insurance. Awesome. And what made you want to get an insurance just out of curiosity? So there's kind of two reasons. I make the joke that I got bored when I was on maternity leave uh, when I had my son, because um, that's when I took my insurance test. But I actually, my why as to why I got in it that made me start looking into doing it was my dad. My dad died four years ago in June. So the beginning of this month would have been four years and he had a life insurance policy that he thought was there that was supposed to be a paid up policy. The company did not exist anymore. They had rolled it over to another company and it was supposed to be a paid up policy. However, they mailed him something and he was illiterate and could not read or write. So when they mailed him the document, it said basically, hey, we're going to be rolling this policy. You can select to do a paid up policy or we can give you X amount of dollars and pull from the money that's here. If you don't select option A, then this is the default we're gonna pull from it. So he thought he had a $20,000 whole life paid up policy that was not there. And when we went to bury him, there was nothing that was there. So I never wanted a family to have to go through that. If they had an agent that was, if my dad had had an agent that just wasn't, somebody that was non-existent, then we would have known that. And he wouldn't have just gotten a letter in the mail that he couldn't read being illiterate. Um, And my mom was dead and gone. So he just got the letter and stuck it in the safe and didn't think anything about it. So I never want anybody to run in that situation. And at that time when I lost my dad, I was a single mom of three kids. Um, So coming up with that kind of money was a huge thing. Like that was my whole entire savings trying to bury my dad last minute. So I never want anybody to go through what I went through. So that was my why. So I got in the industry. Oh, gosh, that is a heart wrenching. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't even, (laughs) um, you know, it's always interesting hearing people's whys. And that's why I always ask, because usually there's some sort of story like that, right? Yeah. And gosh, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That is brutal. And, um, and at the same time, 
it probably makes it so you are even better for people, right? Like you really have a heart to take care of people and making sure that um, their needs are met, that their family's needs are met. So nobody has to experience that ever. Um, that's that's terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's my, that's my, I always say that's my why, that's my calling is I want to make sure that I take care of people and I take care of everybody like their family. So that, that nobody ever has to worry about anything with me. I'll always be the person that'll always be there. And all my clients, they call me all the time. Um, they ask me, you know, what eye doctor do they need to go see? Or, you know, they want to pull money out of their annuity, out of their retirement is, are they going to outlive their income if they do this? Like they always call me and ask me first before they make any sort of decision. So uh, I, I'm curious. Um, so Catherine, your background, um, you said you were a case manager. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and so what I hear is that is that you love helping people. Right. And you love taking care of people. And so that that just seems like a perfect um, fit for insurance as well. Like you, you have to love to take care of people. I think, I mean, I guess you don't have to, you could be in it for the money, but <laughs> you're, you're going to end up, uh, you know, in a situation where your dad was. Um, so I'm curious, how has your background kind of played into um, insurance and what that looks like now? So for me, um, my background coming from being um, a nurse case manager for years and working in revenue cycle management has really helped me grow my whole book of Medicare business that I have. Um, I do what I call lazy prospecting. Um, so I don't purchase leads at all anymore. I haven't purchased leads in well over a year. Um, I literally only lazy prospect. So I go do lunch and learns. Um, and I make it mutually beneficial for my doctor's offices and me. Um, so I go out with them and I meet with them. I do a lunch and learn. It costs me maybe 60, 70 bucks to provide them lunch. And then I teach them. I teach them something that they're already doing. They just may not know that they're missing a modifier or two to put on there so that they're billing effectively and getting paid at max reimbursement. Um, or they aren't getting paid because they didn't submit the prior authorization that was required. If it's a specialist office, they didn't submit that prior authorization prior to the patient being seen because it was an HMO plan and not a PPO. Um, so a referral was required from the PCP and then pre-authorization needed to be submitted. So they, that, they got that um, office visit denied and wasn't paid. Um, but they have a turnaround time um, or a timely filing that they can appeal that. Um, so I help them do that. And then in return, it makes their office money. So in return, they send me clients. Interesting. Okay. So when you do a lunch and learn, you're not going to meet with clients themselves. You're meeting with the doctor's offices who have patients who are of retirement age and they're referring to you. Is that right? That is 100% correct. Fascinating. That is really, really fascinating to me. I, so I, my background is healthcare. Um, I worked in sports medicine, but I also worked in a physician's office. Um, and so, you know, we'd have people come in all the time and bring us coffee or, you know, do lunch and different things like that. And so um, that kind of method is always fascinating to me, but I've never seen it from this angle that you're doing. Um, and of course, being in healthcare, I'm sure you did you pick that up by seeing that and you were like, I'm just going to apply this or like, where did you come up with that idea? So, yeah. So I actually ran a urgent care facility during the middle of COVID. And so we would have people come in all the time prior to COVID 
that would be like, oh, hey, we want to drop off these pharmaceutical reps or, you know, the DME reps or whoever it was. We want to drop off stuff and do a lunch and learn and sit with you and win your business and whatever. Um, so I knew that was a constant thing from being in the medical field and being a nurse and working in doctor's offices for so long. Um, I was like, hmm. I, I had already done kind of like my referrals with like going out and meeting the PNC agents and my financial advisors and, you know, kind of doing an exchange and, oh, I'll send you clients if you send me clients kind of thing. But I wanted to take it a step further. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if my connections for me being a nurse and that could play out. So I went out and started going to doctor's offices and I never go empty handed. So I always take, you know, goodies and stuff like that. So um, I made goodie bags and I put my business cards inside of them and I went in and I said, hey, are you guys doing lunch and learns? And some doctor's offices are um, still doing them. Some are not with COVID um, with the restrictions. That kind of just depends on the hospital office, um, wherever you're going. And so I was like, hey, um, can I do a lunch and learn? And they're like, well, yeah, what do you want to do it on? And I'm like, I want to do it on how you guys can effectively bill Medicare and make sure that you guys are making the most money off of billing and revenue cycle management. And they were like, huh interesting um and so it started off with one doctor and then that one doctor told them that i had gotten them in network with humana when they weren't in network and then that one doctor told a pcp's office and then that pcp office told another doctor's office and then now i have four or five doctor's offices that send me patients religiously and we're not talking like just medicare patients like they'll send me any and everybody like we're talking brand new gonna lose their they're leaving their job they're going to lose their insurance and they need to switch to other insurance because I write privatized insurance um, as well. Um, and then, you know, I'll drop them in a new plan and whatnot, or they will turn around and it'll be somebody that's got current insurance, but they're going to be retiring and they're going to lose their insurance and need to go to Medicare. So then they send me to them. They've got somebody who's having issues and Medicare is not paying for their medications or. And th so they basically send me all the clients that they have with any sort of question when it comes to Medicare or health insurance, they literally have a stack of my business cards and they'll call me and be like, Hey, um, we got your business card from Dr. Hakeem's office or Dr. Tamala's office or whoever it is. And they'll be like, Oh, we got your business card from there. They told us to give you a call that you could help us with our insurance or our Medicare. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I do an appointment and huh. works, works out great. Wow, that's really cool. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody going that avenue. What I what I do love though is that you are you're using a skill set that you already had, um, and you have brought that into the insurance world with you to help you be successful very quickly. Um, it sounds like so you've only been would you say a year and two months, um, and you already have an entire book of business. Catherine, I would love to just hear kind of, obviously you started from zero <laughs> when you started, but where are you at now a year and two months later as far as a team and revenue and all of that goes? So I have a team currently of, um, let's see, I have one, two, I have about 10 agents that do annuities. Um, I have four agents that do life insurance, five agents that do life insurance. Um, and then I have, um, for Medicare, I have six people up underneath me and I'm still currently growing. I have two interviews this week. Um, and then I have three girls that are currently um, in their pre-licensing course um, for life insurance and Medicare. So I'm still technically growing. 
Um, I kind of put a halt on growing for a while because I was focusing on women of insurance and conference and things like that. Um, and so I wanted to dedicate my time solely to that um, and give my 110% there. So I kind of put a halt on my business just a little bit when it came to that. Um, but now that conference is over, we're getting ready to fall into AEP. We're getting ready to, I've been doing retirement seminars. Um, and then as far as like my annuities go and stuff like that, um, I do a good bit of business there and rolling over, you know, hundred K 300 K. Um, I have one right now that we're working on. That's a $354,000, um, annuity. Um, I have another hundred K annuity in Jersey that I'm working on right now that both those need to go through suitability and then two smaller ones. So I have about four sitting on the books right now that need to go through, um, you know, so those are those are large amount annuities to be rolled over to get paid off of. Um, so that that business has grown pretty substantially pretty quickly as well. That's amazing how quickly you've made that happen. Um, so it sounds like so I'm curious for you. Um, are you so are you just getting is your kind of your main focus getting the referrals and then you have your team that's kind of doing the processing and the behind the scenes work, or are you also doing that aspect of it? Um, no, so I write on my own pen. Anything that I write or that I get the referrals and stuff like that, I'm writing. Um, the only thing that I'm not really writing is life insurance. So I send that to my team, um, my ladies, because I don't really like to write final expense or life insurance. Um, I, I Doesn't mean that I'm not good at it. I absolutely am. I just don't, it's not, it's not my, it doesn't make me happy at the end of the day. I get fulfillment out of doing the retirement and, and those people sitting on the other side of the table going, oh my gosh, you helped me. I'm not going to outlive my money. Um, that was my hugest fear is I was going to outlive, I was going to outlive my money. And I was so afraid that I would have to go back to work in my seventies that watching them be so scared. And then me turning that around for them and it being as simple as us doing something you know, there are a couple of fixes and going through income planning and doing that kind of stuff um, and it's sitting down with them and them not being afraid anymore. That gives me that fulfillment, doing the Medicare and knowing that I've put them in the best possible plan and I've explained it to them so that they understand it. Because a lot of people that are in Medicare don't understand what part A is, part B is, part C, part D. They don't understand what it means. If you explain it to them and you take the time to explain it to them, they are so happy and excited that they now understand it. And then they're like, I appreciate you like actually respecting me enough to do, to explain it to me as to what it is. They're not dumb. They just never had anybody explain it to me, to them. And the government sure as heck doesn't explain it to them. So right. they're, they're like, thanks for taking the time with me. So I don't, I don't quickly rush through anything. I sit down with my clients. I explain everything from start to finish. I explain what a deductible is. I explain what an out-of-pocket is. I explain what they're going to owe, what they're not going to owe, you know, I take the time with them to do all that. And then just seeing that, how appreciative they are for that gives me that fulfillment that makes my heart happy. So. Uh, I love, um, I, there's something that you said that I want to pull out. You said, it's not that I'm not good at it. I am really good at it. It just doesn't fulfill me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, because just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're the one that has to do it. Um, and it doesn't mean that you, you're not taking care of your clients. And actually, you're taking care of your clients better by setting them up with somebody who does, it does fulfill them and they do enjoy it, right? Um, so I just wanted to pull that out for a second. Um, 
Catherine, you also talked about uh, before before we hit record. Um, you were talking about going to talk to the city council, and I just thought this was a really impactful story. And so, um, will you tell us what was going on? Why did you go talk to city council? Kind of what came out of that? So I actually went um, in Coleman County and Baylington. Um, I went and spoke to, so I had a friend that was a PNC agent in the town of Baylington, and she kept posting about the fact that the senior citizens were getting kicked out of their community center, out of their senior citizen hall. And that really bothered me because for a lot of my clients that I know, they're widowed, they don't have family, their kids don't come around anymore, they may not live near their kids anymore because their kids have moved away because they have their lives, but their senior center is their only lifeline. Um, so I was really bothered by that. So I said, well, what can I do? And so she said, well, I'm selling these to raise the money to pay for the rent that they were gonna charge them for their own senior citizen hall that they had raised the funds and got grants for. And so I bought a, bought a couple of shirts that say, um, support my seniors. And I said, what else can I do? And she said, well, they're going to have a city council meeting. If you want to get on the docket to talk, call city hall. So I called city hall and I said, hey, I want to speak. And she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a nurse, and I'm a Medicare agent. And she said, okay. So I typed up my whole entire speech, showed up. Everybody had been removed from the docket except for me. Um, and so I was the only person that was allowed to speak on the whole entire situation. Um, I spoke about it. I gave my whole entire spiel, which was basically essentially in a, in a short gist of it, how shutting down the senior citizen center affected them and their health and that the number one killer in people over the age of 65 is depression. I said, so essentially you're killing half of your population that's in town. I said, not to mention, this is a senior citizen health center. I said, it doesn't just affect the senior citizens. I said, what about the young people that come from the school that come do field trips here? And what about the young people that these are their grandparents? Then they come with their grandparents or whatever the case may be. I said, it's not just a senior citizen center. I said, you're not just affecting the seniors. You're also affecting your whole entire community. And they voted shortly after I spoke and voted to keep it open and then made their rules the next day as to what that meant to keep that open. Um, but just knowing that I affected the change just by speaking and showing up and caring meant the world to me and it meant the world to them too. I got several people that called me and thanked me. Um, they were like, that meant the world to us. Um, I've since gone back and I went back on Mother's Day and on Easter and gave them, you know, little gifts and stuff like that just because I wanted them to know that somebody did care about them, that they're not alone. Oh, I love that story so much. Um, yeah, and it's not, it's interesting that you, the way that you just described that, because you would think, oh, it's just a senior, it's just a senior center, right? Like no big deal. <laughs> but you're 100% right of it has a, it has a, um, a domino effect on multiple different things and you're 100% right that the number one killer for people over the age of 65 is depression and especially for people who retire and um they maybe they don't work anymore but that is how they get out of the house and that is how they socialize and get around people um is super important and i actually i used to be a um 
I was a personal trainer for a while and I used to have these clients that came in and they were in their mid seventies. They would come in every morning at eight o'clock, seven, maybe even seven o'clock would work out. And then they owned a farm. They had a farm that they actively worked and they had bees and honey and took care of everything themselves. I think they had maybe one person that helped them on their farm. And then they went to the senior center and um, they were always learning about new things. And they went, I think, two to three days a week. And I just remember asking them, like, you're retired. Why are you like, why are you doing all these things? And they said, we got to keep our minds active because if you don't keep your mind active, you die, <laughs> basically. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, and looking at them compared to some patients who I saw come in in their 60s right? Or um, people that came in and were retired, you could just tell the difference between the people who were active in their community and the people who just kind of sat at home um, and stayed to themselves. And there's there's a big difference there. And you're 100% right that um, a small act like that, that you did taking time out of your schedule um, had a huge impact on the community and those people's lives. So, um, thank you for sharing that. That's just, um, I just love that a lot. And, you know, and too, like your, I don't imagine your goal going into that was, oh, I'm going to get clients out of this, right? Your heart no, was I, to help people I, and to serve people. No, it absolutely was. I actually didn't get a single client out of that, um, at least not yet anyway, but I, it was just a matter of I wanted to get back to the community. I'm very much that type of person that if God gives me something, um, I try to give it back to the community in some way, shape, form or fashion. And so that was my way of just doing the right thing. Because when I do the right thing, it always comes back to me. So that was just my way of giving back because um, God has given me a lot. So 100%. Yes, I love it. Um, Catherine, you've mentioned, we've both mentioned women of insurance here for a second. And I think a majority of people listening to this, um, at least in this first season, are going to know what women of insurance is. And we're going to have Tracy, the owner, on. Um, but would you just talk about that for a second? Because you are... Um, heavily involved in women of insurance and you're on the executive board for that. Uh, would you just tell people a little bit about what that is? So women of, women of insurance is a national organization for women in the insurance industry for all lines of insurance. It's an absolute amazing organization. Um, I got into it when I thought I just sucked in insurance and I sucked at sales. Um, and it wasn't that it was a hundred percent that I was at a toxic IMO and I was not a terrible at either. Um, I just was not in the right home or the right line of insurance. Um, I got into it and I fell in love with it and I wanted to be more involved. I got more involved and then it kind of became like this huge thing for me that I absolutely loved and adored because I knew what it was capable of. I knew what the mission and the vision was. And I wanted to share that with other people because if it could change me and change how I viewed and saw things, then what could it do for other women who were feeling the exact same thing that I was? Okay. I want to dive into that a little bit. So, um, you said that you felt like you sucked at insurance and I'm sure that <laughs> many people who are new to insurance can feel this way. Um, will you just talk about that and dive into that a little bit more um, about one, just kind of how women of insurance helped you recognize that? And then 
two, kind of just what did that look like? And what was your aha of like, oh, I'm just not in the right place. How did all of that occur? Um, so women of insurance helped in number one, women of insurance helped because it was my safe space. Like I go in there and comment anything without being recruited, without being told I was stupid, without being looked down upon, being made fun of, um, having 10,000 people drop in my inbox, trying to tell me something. It was just my, Hey, let me ask a question. I'm going to get a response without all the negativity. It was very positive space for me. I felt safe, um, which was a huge thing for me. Um, as far as the helping me realize that I didn't suck and that it just wasn't my right line of insurance. Um, I started out at an IMO that was very toxic um, in a sense of it was always, I had a mail upline. It was always write one more, do one more. It's not enough. Buy more leads, put more money into it. You're not doing enough. And when I started insurance, it was supposed to be a part-time thing. It was supposed to be, I wanted to do it part-time, make extra income, run one day, two days a month, every other weekend type thing. And they knew that when I came into it and it was never enough. Now I was writing more life insurance than some of their full-time agents, but it was never enough. It was always do one more. You're not doing enough. You're not this, you're not that. I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I wrote more than Betty Boop over here. I don't understand <laughs> running full-time. Uh, I don't understand. And then I was like, I don't, I don't get it. So I started getting really discouraged and I came into women of insurance and I started noticing people talking. And I was like, if you were running, I asked a question to somebody and I said, if you were running one day a week and you made X amount of dollars, would that be enough? And they were like, yeah. And then I started, you know, talking to people and making friends in there. And it was like, if you had 15 solid non-charged back policies on the books in your first month of insurance, your first month. Is that good? And they were like, yeah, like I don't even, I didn't even have that in my first month coming in. And I've been doing this for like X amount of years. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I started opening up my eyes and I started realizing all the toxicity of where I was at, the IMO that I was at. And I was like, this is just negative. Like, I don't suck. This person is putting me down. This IMO is putting me down. And that's not what it is. And I was like, so I started looking into other options and then I realized that it was where I was at. So I transferred my life insurance contracts and then I was like, I, I still wasn't like fulfilled or happy. And I was like, somebody's like, well, why don't you do, why don't you do Medicare or health insurance? Like you, that's what your background is. Why don't you just do that? And I got into doing it. And then I was like, it was my aha moment. It was like, Oh, here's my fulfillment. Here's my, where I feel happy. Here's where I'm getting that my heart's happy again from the bedside, from being at nursing. I felt like I was taking care of people again. I felt like I was whole again. I felt, I felt that nurturing that I needed to get from helping people with their Medicare and, and getting that, oh, you're so like feeling like I was worthy of, of what it was. And I, that was my aha moment that I was like, this is the line of business that I needed to be in. But I also didn't want to get bored because I know life insurance, I know, I know life insurance and I know health insurance and I know Medicare, but I know Medicare like the back of my hand because I've dealt with CMS for 15 plus years that I was like, 
okay, I'm going to get bored with it. So I need something to challenge my brain. So I got into the zoo and annuities in a retirement sense so that it challenged my brain challenges my brain and I don't get, I guess, bored in a sense. So if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's why I was just talking to somebody else about that and, um, you know, kind of getting bored in insurance and not that, you know, doing the same thing over and over sometimes it can get boring, even though, even if you're taking care of people and serving people. And so always having like passion projects and, you know, different things that bring you joy is really important. Um, and challenging your mind. Cause if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. <laughs> um, so yes, I love that. And I love that, um, you found just a community of support from people and it helped you realize like, Oh no, I'm perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> it's the it's who I'm under that's that's the problem. Um, and I imagine that that is a challenge for a lot of people who start in the insurance industry and trying to figure out, um, you know, am I doing a good job? Especially if you don't have a good support system above you or around you, um, and and in insurance, a lot of, um, you know, obviously there are like some offices where they have a team and you have that support around you. But um, there's also a lot of people who kind of work individually, even though like you have, you know, an upline, downline, things like that. So, Catherine, how has that um, kind of like helped you as you help and guide the team that works under you? Um, has that shifted and changed the things that you do and the way that you do them? A little bit, yes. I When I moved and left, it changed a lot of things for me. I started feeling like I wanted to build. When I was at the toxic IMO, I didn't want people up underneath me because I didn't want anybody to feel like I felt. So I didn't want to build a team. Um, when I left there, I felt whole, I felt happy. So then I decided that I wanted to build a team and I started building a team slowly, but surely. And I guess I'm more confident in annuities and Medicare that I build that team. And then also I didn't really want to build a team on life insurance if I wasn't going to be riding it all the time. Now, mind you, those girls can call me anytime that they want and stuff like that. But I, I kind of stopped building there because I've realized it wasn't what I wanted to write. So I focused on on the old saying of a master of everything is a master of none. I've wanted to focus on one thing. And I was like, that's retirement age individuals. I want to focus on rolling their money over when they leave their full-time job and retire. I want to focus on rolling that money over into something that they're not going to outlive their money. And I want to write their Medicare. And, and so that's essentially what I do. Um, but doing that and growing that team, I feel confident the girls have 24 seven access to me. If you were to ask my agents, one specifically, she'll be like, cat's available to me 24 seven. Like I can call her anytime and she'll answer me day or night. I actually answered her when I was in the hospital. I just had my gallbladder removed and I answered and she's like, why are you answering? And I was like, you might have a question. You might have a client that needed help. Why wouldn't I answer you? Like you're my agent. That's my job. That's what my, my override and my commission that I make off of, off of helping you is for. It's for me to help you grow to be the best possible agent that you can be. It's not for me just to leave you hanging the way that I was left hanging when I first started out. Like I, I would never want anybody to ever feel that way. So I make myself readily available to my downline um, just so that they can have someone and know that they're not alone and know that they're not in it like I was. Um, 
I love that you talked about that. I want to talk about this for a second. So you also own a farm, right? How how big did you say your farm is? It's 50 acres. Okay. So you have 50 acre farm and then you have four children. So how do you like just being accessible to people like that, taking care of your clients? How do you kind of balance everything? I know beforehand we were talking about, you're like, I'm just a really good multitasker. Um, so kind of what does that look like? How do you create boundaries for yourself? Um, so you don't end up, you know, burnt out and exhausted, but also serving your team. Um, so I'm really good at time management. Um, I actually teach a time management, um, course but i i just got really good at time management over over the course of the years i guess um being a single mom and living 1500 miles away from your closest nearest relative you learn to have to do everything by yourself um so i think that kind of instilled in me the ability to be able to multitask better than some people can but i i run a farm um, i get up i have horses pigs chickens cats, dogs, donkeys, um, the whole nine yards. And then I have four kiddos. I have a, actually today is my son's, my oldest son's birthday. I have, he's nine today. So Mm -hmm. I have a nine-year-old, a soon-to-be eight-year-old, a special needs five-year-old. And um, she's my only little girl and she's special needs. And then I have a one-year-old. So balancing that, I have my phone on me 24-7. My agents know they can text me. They know they can call me anytime. Um, but they do try to mind that it's after a certain time, um, and not try not to call me. Um, but they will text me and be like, Hey, Kat, I have an urgent question. Can you give me a call when you're free? They know if they do that, that I'll always call them back. If they leave me a voicemail, I'll always call them back and I will always help them. If they call me two times in a row, I know they're in a home with a client and that I need to answer the phone. Um, so that's kind of how I guess I manage that is if they call me two times in a row, I know they're in a home. If they text me and tell me, Hey, I have a client question. I'm going to meet with them tomorrow. Can you, can you call me when you're free? Um, and then they try not to text me or call me after 8 PM. Um, they do call me super early, but that's because they know that I'm up at four 30 in the morning. So, um, but other than that, I, I just make myself readily available to them. My text message and my phone is always on for them. And my clients know that. My clients know that they have 24-7 access to me too. My, I have clients that'll call me at nine o'clock at night. So they know they know that they're that I'm always available to them. They'll text me. Um, I had a client before I came to this podcast um, call me and she was just calling me to make sure that she didn't need to do anything special for her appointment on Thursday. So you have a lot going on, Catherine. Oh my goodness. 4 30 in the morning. Oh my gosh, I'm still like sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a morning person at all. Not a morning person. Uh, I, I have a hard time falling asleep at night. So, uh, but I'm always just amazed at people who have farms because you have to be an early riser, like <laughs> farmers and people who farm are, I don't know, like you, you guys just get stuff done. And I think it's partially because you get up and you get moving like super early. Right. So, Absolutely. <laughs> um what may I'm I'm just curious this is non-insurance related but um what made you want to live on a farm like what about that intrigues you So when I was younger I grew up on a farm and I absolutely loved and adored it it was my happy place and then when I ended up in foster care and I got taken away from my farm and I ended up in foster care and then growing up in foster care and being bumped from foster home to foster home 
it was always kind of what I wanted to get back to because it was just my serene, happy spot. So that's, that's kind of my why for that. Well, and I imagine um, that is part of where your heart to serve people comes from. It does. Um, I think my dad instilled in me and my grandparents instilled in me growing up. My grandfather like founded a church and we lived in this really small town and he was always giving back. And so I watched growing that up, growing, growing up, watched that. And then same thing with my dad. My dad always gave back to people and always the shirt off his back would do anything under the sun for anybody. So I think I watched that so much that it was kind of just instilled in me. And then foster care and watching bad things happen to good people and then having bad things happen to you yourself. You know, you want to affect the, you want to help people, you know, in life to not have to go through some of the hard times that you've gone through in your lifetime. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, especially if you come out of, you know, a traumatic um, childhood, those, those people, um, I mean, all people, but are just determined, have a, like a tenacity of determination <laughs> and, um, a heart for serving people. So I just see that with everything that you do in women of insurance and also just from talking to you and, and the way that you show up and serve people is, um, is really incredible. And, um, I just appreciate you sharing that and opening up about that and, um, just kind of sharing the ins and outs of, of your insurance journey. Uh, Catherine, as we wrap up here, I would just love kind of just one piece of advice that you have for anybody that's listening, whether maybe they're transitioning out of, you know, their career, maybe I, let's do this, transitioning out of their career into insurance, um, because that's kind of just where you came from. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would have for them? Seek mentorship, seek a community around you that's going to support you and be there for you no matter what. So don't seek, don't seek the money. Don't seek the shiny objects that you're going to make tons of money doing a b c and d seek mentorship find you somewhere a home an upline a person that will give to you whether you're in their upline or not if that's if that's what you so choose find you a mentor that is going to be there for you that's going to help you grow regardless of what that is growth is how you're going to get there and having that mentor to do that is going to be what it is that you need. Oh, that's perfect. I love it. And then one more piece of advice for somebody who is stuck um, in an in insurance, whether they're maybe feeling unfulfilled or they just feel like they're not doing something right. That place where you were like, I just suck at insurance. And in reality, you didn't. Um, for somebody who feels like they suck at insurance, what's your advice for them? And if you're, if you're a female in the insurance space, join women of insurance without a shadow of a doubt. Um, if you're not a woman in the insurance industry and you're a man and you're listening to this, um, again, find that, find that safe space for you. Find that safe space, find that mentor that you're safe talking to, find, find your home find your insurance home, seek out, question it, 
don't stop questioning just because you you have contracts somewhere question question what it is you the old saying that you know if somebody shows you their colors or someone shows you their colors believe them it's it's gonna all come out in the wash at some point so just be paying attention don't just sit back and watch the those things come to light eventually so find you a mentor that you can be comfortable in and find you a safe community women insurance is probably the safest community that i've ever known i mean we have fifteen thousand women from across the u.s that literally only want to empower and support you there's no there's no gain from it like there's no recruitment there's no just post a question ask a question in our main group and you get an answer without being bombarded like where else can you get that i don't know of anywhere else you can get that i'm in several insurance forums and stuff and i'll just comment something and i'll get bombarded with 15 dms and i didn't even say anything <laughs> like I, all i did was like like a status like i didn't even, I didn't even say anything um we don't we don't tolerate that in women of insurance if somebody is in your inbox and you didn't ask them to be in your inbox they are blocked deleted and banned from women of insurance period it happened to me the other day and we blocked and banned somebody and i know i didn't ask nobody for nothing um so i was the wrong person to be in in your inbox was i was the wrong inbox to pop up into um because i'm part of the executive team i was like yeah no this is not happening because if this is happening to me it's happening to our members and we don't yeah that. Yeah, I, that's one thing I love about women of insurance is very protective of the community and the people in there. And there is, um, and you don't see it a lot anyway of any sort of negativity. But if it is, it's taken away immediately. <laughs> um, and I think that's really important and just goes to show the type of community and the space that you're creating and that. And you've said the word safe several times throughout this. And, um, growth only happens in safety. Um, if you don't feel safe, growth won't happen, right? And so um, I love that Women of Insurance has really created that. And um, it's not just like you're being pitched at all the time, <laughs> very protective of that. And I think that's a really valuable, incredible thing. So um, Catherine, thank you so much for being here today. If people want to connect with you, uh, would you just tell them where they can do that and the best place to, to reach out to you? So Facebook is where my main home is. So Catherine Arnold, you can search me, I'm findable. I have a um, entrepreneur page, a digital creator page. So I'm easily found. You can also look up SLA Legacy. There's that's my business. Um, you can also reach out to me. It's Catherine K A T H R Y N at womenofinsurance.org. That's my email. I absolutely will help anybody in any sort of need for insurance. And when I say that, I mean if you are in the insurance industry and you feel lost or like I felt, I absolutely want to help you get to where you don't. And that does not mean I want your contracts with me. I just want you to know that you're not, that you don't suck, that it's not you, it's just where you're at. So. Oh, I love it so much, Catherine. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I thank you guys for having me. Thank you. And for those of you who are still listening, uh, we've mentioned this a couple times, but we have a mastermind coming up for female insurance agency owners in October 
2023 here. It's going to be a combination of one-on-one -on -one coaching um, and also a group incubator where you can come together with other agency owners and learn together, learn from experts, and really just grow uh, with one another. So uh, we have an early bird pricing coming out for that. We're going to have a retreat that's associated with it as well. So this is a whole experience. Um, so if you are looking to grow your agency without sacrificing what is most important to you, uh, we invite you to check that out. More information in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening today. We will uh, be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Insurance Revolutionized podcast today. We know there is a lot on your plate, so it means the world to us that you stopped in to give us a listen. We hope you will join us each week as we dive into topics such as mindset, goal setting, productivity, self-care, and so much more. We want to inspire more women to have success without sacrificing what is most important to them. And we need your help. If this podcast has inspired you, would you do us a favor? Would you take a minute to leave us a rating and review or share with your friends? Let's change the face of insurance for women. Until next time.